This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Pre-recorded from Joe's mom's basement, welcome to another Rewind episode of The Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Griffin the Intern, or like Joe's podcast friends like to call me, the Fintern. Happy Friday, everyone. Or was yesterday Friday? Wait, is Friday actually tomorrow? Uh, whatever. The dates don't matter, and I'm still in pajamas anyways. Can you believe it's been a week already? Where's the time gone? Netflix? Hulu? Running to the kitchen to get another snack? They talk about the quarantine 15. Maybe I need to wear a mask inside just so I don't eat so much. I never thought I'd say something like this, but I'm glad to have this podcast stuff to keep me grounded. Which brings me to my next point. Your Friday Rewind Show. What have I got? Check this out. I've decided to bring you, and this decision was totally not based on anything current, real or imagined. I assure you. But today's show is Stacking Benjamins, episode 581, Eight Smart Things to Do with $1,000. For any of you out there receiving sums in the real of $1,000 or more, maybe, like maybe $1,200, this one is for you. I can only hope we're getting this out to you in time. Hypothetically, of course. Well, stackers, that does it for another Rewind Week. Coming Monday, starting to get snippy with the people on your Zoom calls? Hoping to be better at the whole getting along thing? Here's a question. How do you exert your influence? And how can you be an effective communicator without being overbearing? Tune in for another eight weeks of fresh shows as Joe and OG kick things off with Jason Harris, the head of one of America's top advertising agencies. Thanks again for enjoying another great week of Rewind shows with me. And remember to disregard any investment advice or giveaways. Fin turn out. Okay, Ma, you can hang up the phone. I'm done. Thank you. Hey, guys, this is Alex, or as we call him here in the basement, self-identified listener number three. <laughs> and what's funny is, when I'm not stacking Benjamins, I'm usually counting gold in my Los Angeles bunker, maybe buying a new van for the missus. Sometimes I call my significant other and tell them to stop tracking the time it takes to manage our rental empire, such as in 15-minute increments, so that I can jet set from Hawaii to the middle US on a budget airliner to get one hell of a deal on a new car to drive back to Vegas. 
just in time to tell my best friend about the trip to Vietnam that my family and I went on. Did I mention I went to Vietnam? <laughs> what? Doug, Doug, get out of here. You're ruining the intro. Gotta go. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and when I was a young boy, my pappy set me up on his lap and said, son, what are eight smart things you can do with a thousand bucks? Well, our family never actually answered that question. On today's show, we've got a crack team to answer this age-old riddle. We'll also answer a bloom call for money help and more. From the award-winning Money Nerds podcast, we welcome back to the show, Whitney Hanson. From LenPenzo.com, it's Sean White. I'm just kidding. I, I just accidentally did a triple McTwisty 1260 with a melon grab with a script and got a little tangled up there. Actually, it's Len Penzo. And from Joe's mom's basement, oh, j-j-j-j-gee, but that's not all. What's coming up next in banking? We'll talk to CEO and founder of Customer and FinTech Insider, Rory Holland. And now, because Fridays aren't the same without a host, Joe Salcihai. Of course, it's up to me to bring you into your weekend. Like, who else can bring you into your weekend? Hey, everybody, I am Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and we're going to have some fun today because we're going to talk about, well, Doug already told you what we're going to talk about. I'm not going to tell you again. I'm just going to tell you who's here with me sitting across the rickety card table as usual. The one and only Mr. OG. I think I'm the one who brings the fun on Fridays. <laughs> Whatever. I put just, the fun in Fridays. You, you put the F-U in fun. <laughs> I kind of do. That's what, that's what you really do. And on that awkward note, let's go to the shortwave, where joining us from a bunker somewhere deep underneath uh, Los Angeles, California, it's uh, from LenPenzo.com, LenPenzo. And let me just tell you, it's my new, I've converted the bunker into a game room bunker. So That is just, awesome. I, I just finished playing a, a rousing game of Dig Dug on my video game that I bought. 60 and 1, by the way, and I got a new high score, so I thought, I'm quite stoked. I thought winning Dig Dug is the way you dug the bunker. <laughs> Wasn't that how you did it? You're asking the honeybee, you're like, this isn't Dig Dug, I don't win? Oh my, dude, this is the coolest thing. Next time you come to California, Joe... I'm going to bring you into the bunker. You're going to have a good time. I got a shuffleboard table in there now. I got a video game. We are set, dude. He's got all the old guy games, OG. Isn't that great? What's a, sh what's a shuffleboard? I'm not right. talking on the ground shuffleboard. I'm talking the barroom shuffleboard. Len's like, I got this fantastic new game on my Magnavox system called Pong. Have you ever seen it? It is so awesome. Got these little and, controllers. And, and I'll... And I'll tell you this, Joe, and you're old enough to remember, too. I remember when Pong first came out, and we, we got one for Christmas, and oh my God, the whole family. I think we spent four or five hours playing Pong. I thought it was just the greatest thing in the world. Welcome back to the Old Guys podcast. <laughs> Wondering what the hell she's doing. 1974 called. Right. <laughs> they want their video games back. They want Pencil back. <laughs> and... And wondering why the hell she's here from the award-winning Money Nerds podcast, it's our good friend Whitney Hanson back. 
Hey guys, so excited to be here. I don't have any fun games, so I have nothing fun to add there. You, you Sorry. Came, you came back for more though. That's that's what's I amazing. I came back for more. It was the basement feel. It just it was wonderful. Right, right. <laughs> oh, musty. Fantastic. Don't forget don't forget the smell. It smelled wonderful, yes. It is. The the, <laughs> the magic of Febreze when women come down to the basement. <laughs> It's just incredible. Is that what that, that's delightful. I mean, I'm very impressed. <laughs> it is. It is. Summer breeze, by the way. Uh, so, Whitney, tell the couple people that don't know about the Money Nerds podcast what you're all about, because your show's awesome. It is awesome. I have a really good time. So I interview people once a week with cool money stories. So these are people with really weird careers. So an astronaut that spent 200 days in space. I interview people all across the board. I have a good time with it. So it's now a twice weekly podcast. So I have two episodes, which is a ton of fun and a ton of work, as you guys probably know. <laughs> Len Penzo, his kids say he's always like a guy who's been 200 days in space. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> it's impressive. And why is that, Joe? Yes. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't even have a transition. Uh <laughs> Usually they're bad transitions. I've got nothing today. This episode of Stacky Benjamins brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron's treating Stacky Benjamins listeners to $30 off your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash SB. Mom's making Blue Apron tonight, by the way. Hmm. I can attest to Blue Apron. I have been a member. It is fantastic. Check out this it's week's awesome. menu. Get your $30 off with free shipping at blueapron.com slash SB. We're also proudly presented by magnifymoney.com. $450, Whitney Hansen. That's how much money the average person saves when they head to magnifymoney.com. Did you know that? What? $450? What, what? Yes, we all want what? our $450. Here's the deal. That's because we just walk into our bank and we say, what do you got? Instead of shopping for the best checking account, savings account, maybe we need to get those student loans consolidated. If we have to have an auto loan, let's get one with at least a decent interest rate, right? Shouldn't have an auto loan at all, but stackybedjamins.com forward slash magnify money for that. All right, we got a big, big show, so let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. Our first, and this week our only piece, is brought to you by, is brought to you by, comes to us from The Motley Fool. It's presented by The Motley Fool. This is written by Christy Bieber. Eight smart things you can do with $1,000 right now. Not Justin Bieber, Len. I know what a big Justin Bieber fan you are. It's Christy, his sister, I think. I would think. like to uh, retitle this. I like this as maybe five pretty good things and three really stupid <laughs> things. Well, we haven't even told everybody what the article is. Hold on a second. Eight smart things you can do with $1,000 now. Or, OG, wh what is it called? Some pretty marginal ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've gotten a $1,000 bonus or tax refund, or you managed to save up $1,000 through hard work. Great news. But now you need to decide what to do with that cash. And by the way, 2018, Americans now are starting to see a little extra money in their paycheck because of the tax law change. A lot of people with more money in their paycheck. So this is timely. Fortunately, says Christy, there's lots of ways you can use this money wisely to improve your financial circumstance over the long haul. Whitney, we'll, we'll let you go first. Uh, without, you know, I guess OG stuff aside, which one of these did you <laughs> like the best? If you had $1,000, which one of these eight is all for you? start a business venture. I think that was hands down one of the coolest ways because it tackles a lot of different elements too. So if you're starting a business, what you're doing is you're learning skills that you don't necessarily learn in your nine to five on top of ideally making some money. So hopefully it, it correlates there, but that's the one that really resonated with me most. I like that idea because Len, then you're not tied down to the nine to five job. 
yeah, hey, whatever works for you. There's one thing I have a problem with this in this article. It says the things you can do with $1,000, but I'm looking at the picture as a bag of money, and there's got to be $3,000 <laughs> in that bag. <laughs> Semantics. <laughs> we protest the dumbest stuff in here. <laughs> no, it's not. If you look really carefully, I'm going to zoom in. You'll notice that it's a whole bunch of singles in between the hundreds on the outside. Fair. That's I don't, probably I don't, what the probably I right. I, I'm not so sure about that. You do, better double check. Do you know how? Oh, uh, yeah. You, you, you know how OG stock, right? Yeah. Shutterstock for fools. You know how OG knows that. That's what he does with his wallet. <laughs> he stuffs it well, full. No, uh, let me see if I've got any change for that. All I've got are these big bills. Uh, <laughs> stuffs it full of ones. My kids are like, Dad, those are all ones underneath there. Like, Shut up. Right, right. But Len, seriously, you're a guy working the nine to five and you have an award-winning blog and that's an extra income stream for you. Yeah, it is. And and you know what? Uh, it, it's always great if you can get yourself a side hustle or some way to get that extra money on top. It, it comes in handy for so many different things, including job loss. So it's all, that's, yes, Joe, that's always a great thing. Can I give you my favorite? Uh, in just a second. I want to stick with with this one for just a second longer. We need a buzzer. We need a uh, Len buzzer. Yeah. But to stick with the business venture for just a second longer, um, uh, I like this idea, OG, because potentially, especially for our younger listeners, that's a way to really make your income a lot more than it is today. Like you're doubling down. It's kind of the only one that's on here. Maybe the one that's the take a course, which would kind of maybe turn you into something that could be a business type idea. But it's really the only thing that is parlaying that thousand dollars into a stream of ongoing thousand dollars you know a lot of the other ones are just kind of a one-off hit so to speak uh so i agree this is probably the best one there whitney when i, I was still want to know i still want to know how this 27 year old used an 800 dollars investment to make one hundred fifty thousand dollars. spent 800 dollars on doggy poop bags did you see that so yeah selling dog waste bags that made a political statement just <laughs> <laughs> There are a million ways to make a buck, I tell you. <laughs> that is so awesome. I mean, don't you want to pick up poop and put it in the political statement bag? That you—that's a political statement right there. Brilliant. But I mean, that—that's a brilliant idea. And look at that: eight hundred bucks turned into one hundred and fifty grand. Oh my god! Yeah, that's—it's so amazing to look at some of the businesses. You know, it's funny, Whitney. Back to you for just a second. When I first became a financial planner and I was learning how to run my own business, my boss kept saying what Len said, which is. You have this many chips. Do you want to keep these chips or do you want to push them back across the table and play for more? And that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So I think it's super smart to at least focus on multiple income streams and don't be so bogged down with your nine to five being your end all be all. There's lots of ways to make money. And I think starting a business is one of the best ways long term. I remember when Austin Cleon was on, he talked about this, the guy who wrote uh, A Steal Like an Artist. I was talking about side hustles and now sometimes I think they're baloney. Like if you spent more time working at your main job, you could probably score more money there. And he said, don't give up on side hustles because even if you don't make money, the fact that you're off doing something else, like your brain responds to that. Like he talks about the magic of playing guitar when he's in the middle of playing guitar, his brain is going on about business. And if he's constantly in the trench worried about his business, he you know doesn't have the big out of the box ideas that he would have had. Out of the box, win win situation. How many more, like, uh, <laughs> stupid? As long as we were thinking synergistically. Synergistically, <laughs> yeah. I forgot that one. Right. That, that was very collaborative. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, Len, which one's your favorite? 
My favorite was the invest in long-term cost reduction. I thought this was a great idea. They said, for example, buy a treadmill, and then if you do that, you can maybe quit your gym membership. Or if you buy a, a what else they have? A here? coffee yeah. maker. Coffee. Well, that's a a coffee, coffee maker, a real yeah. fancy coffee maker. You can cut out the uh, Starbucks trips and, you know, get, I don't know what the return on investment is, but if you do it smartly, I mean, I thought that was just, I didn't even think of that. That's a great idea. But isn't that the fun of Starbucks, Whitney, going to Starbucks, like being in there and smelling the money that you're burning while you, while you I mean, buy it? great. <laughs> Smelling that burnt coffee. <laughs> yeah, I actually did not love that one, Lynn. I got to be honest. Why not? Not my favorite. Because I can see people immediately having tons of treadmills they don't use, an espresso machine that's been sitting in the closet for years, and just a bunch of crap in the benefit of trying to convince themselves that, yeah, maybe I'll save money later. Whitney, are you talking about OG's fondue pot? Because he's going to use that someday. The one he got for his wedding. Ice cream maker. The ice cream maker, right. How's that working for you, right? (laughs) Hand hand to God, I have two ice cream makers. and I do. I I have one. I have a normal one and then a uh, uh, hand crank. Are they electric or hand crank? No, they're electric, man. It's 2018. (laughs) Have you I heard? Read, do you get your whipping cream at the store? Or do you have a cow out back? <laughs> no, the the guy delivers it in glass jars and leaves them out in the front porch. <laughs> that's when you're paying too much if you don't have a cow out back. That's like <laughs> Len Penzo's best advice. <laughs> Go buy a cow. Right. Where's number nine on this list? Buy a cow. I mean, you can make ice cream. You can you can have milk, milk butter, and then. Steak eventually. Once. Right. <laughs> but once you go to steak, you can't come back. Yeah. Like yeah you got to really be out of dairy by the time you get to steak. Just to be really like fed up with dairy. You're like, I'm a totally hand of God, never going to use dairy again. Let's have some steak. Just make sure you don't buy a bull. You know, you're looking for the cow or whatever. You're not going to get the milk. So make sure it's a cow. <laughs> But I think, Len, I think, Len, uh, seriously, I think Whitney's got a great point. If you're going to buy that stuff, use it. Because even in, I mean, in your blog, you talk about half the stuff people have lying around their house that they don't use. Yes, I do. I've actually written about things like that that I have bought. You're, you're right. I mean, I would assume if you're going to buy something, you got to think about it, make sure you're going to use it and commit to it, obviously. I mean, yeah, that would be pretty stupid if you bought uh, a $1,000 coffee maker and then started going to Starbucks within a week. So yeah, you got to have a little commitment there. I found like, instead of going to the gym, like if I join online groups of people that do fitness, then I will do the fitness at home. You know, like if I put myself in a group of people that are doing the same thing, I'll do it. But if I just go buy a treadmill, I'm totally not using it. Oh, like a storage facility. You put like boxes. Yeah. You hang your clothes on <laughs> after you wash them. Yeah. Oh, gee, which one of these do you like? Maybe number eight, consider a cryptocurrency. You've been considering <laughs> cryptocurrencies. Favorite. About a nickel for every dollar I've lost in crypto. Wait, you I do, do have a nickel for every dollar I've lost in crypto. Damn it! Foiled uh, again. You know, I I really think that the top two are the one that two that we've already gone through. If somebody made me pick a third, I would probably pick the first one, which was do some immediate stuff. Talked about a couple of ways to kind of parlay your thousand bucks into other things, cost reduction in a business. But if you've got a freaking $3,000 credit card bill at 20 some odd percent, and it's not 20 anymore with interest rates going up, it's more like 29 nowadays. I mean, 
you're making a quick 300 bucks right there. So if you just, uh, if you get it paid off, so do that, start a Roth, kind of the boring stuff, but a lot of times boring is the best thing. Yeah. Whitney, I see you nodding your head. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I think you're spot on. Of the, of these three, Whitney, you have a credit card that needs to be paid off. You don't have an emergency fund yet and you need to start investing. You got a thousand bucks. What do you do? Emergency fund. How come? Well, your credit card debt's going to grow even more if you don't have that emergency fund. So that's going to kind of be counterintuitive there. I just think that you need some type of an emergency fund to get you started. It doesn't have to be like the full-fledged six months, 12 months, whatever feels good for you, but you should at least have something there. So if your car breaks down, you don't you know, have no way to get to work or put it on credit. So I, I do think that's the best place to start. You guys don't like number five on here, tackle deferred maintenance. Like things that you've been putting off that you know is wrong with your house, wrong with your car, these things that uh, that should be fixed that are just kind of nagging. I could blow a thousand bucks on that like right now. <laughs> That's exactly right. You'd blow it. I've got some prostate problems, so that <laughs> I might put it towards that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> We that escalated just quickly. Turn the ship in a completely different direction. Just, I don't, I don't think that was a general concept of what they're talking about here with deferred oh, maintenance. You said maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> there goes Not the personal. Yeah. There, go, there goes the there goes there goes the neighborhood. Right, both listeners just tuned out now. Uh, make a micro loan is another one. That's terrible. I like hey, how Joe, I had another I, question. I like how nobody family all the time. I like how nobody said give the thousand dollars to charity. Like that's that's the worst. That's horrible. Is, there, is that on here? I didn't even see. That's it. what the micro loan is. Nonprofits like Kiva allow you to make small loans to entrepreneurs across the world who don't have Where'd access back, right? to that's traditional a, that's financing. Not a, that's not a charity. I mean, you're getting it back, right? I mean, in theory, I guess banks yeah, are the biggest charities on theories. the planet, huh? Just like the family loan. Yeah, oh boy. You might just cross off Kiva and just write family. Right. Consider a family loan. It's the same outcome. Just write Uncle. Just write. 0.8 billion percent interest. And they're like, yeah, we'll get back to you. Forget Kiva. Just put Uncle Bob. Yeah. Let's do takeaways. Len, a thousand bucks. You've got this extra thousand, which, which frankly, I mean, that, that is hypothetical, but everybody has this extra money now coming in their paycheck and you know, what's going to happen if we don't have a plan for it, people are going to blow it. Right. So now that the government's given us this tax break, Len Penzo, uh, what's the takeaway? Well, it sounds like the takeaway is if you have a thousand dollars, maybe you might want to try investing in yourself if you don't have the credit card debt. And if you have already established your emergency fund, and if you have saved enough for retirement already. OG? I'd say you can invest in yourself before you save for retirement. Isn't retirement part of, uh, you know, if you do this whole business idea, it's an idea. I mean, that might turn into retirement. Whitney, we'll give you the last word. Invested all in Bitcoin. That was the best one I read. There it is. There it is. Rory Holland is a guy who knows a lot about fintech. We talk, I don't know if you know that we do this, Whitney, but every week we talk to fintech people about their companies. But I thought, you know what? Instead of having the person on who runs the company, who always seems to think it's really, really good, what if we had somebody who's like a third party on that's talking about where fintech's headed? What do you think about that? Makes perfect sense. I'm excited to hear it. Every once in a while, we get a decent idea. And today, because you're here, we have a great idea. Uh, Rory Holland... 
is a strategic marketing, consumer acquisition, and business growth leader for more than 20 years. He's been an entrepreneur and business leader helping fintech and financial companies optimize their marketing to drive growth and revenue. He heads up client relations for a company called CSTMR. Get it? OG, customer without any vowels. That's the way we do things here now. It's a terrible way to spell it. <laughs> terribly inaccurate. I think it's customer. Prior to customer, Rory was CMO at this little company called Credit.com. Never heard of that. Uh, where, where he helped relaunch the brand and develop new revenue channels. He also co-founded Blue Sky Marketing, a leading automotive marketing company, and launched two marketing agencies. They were both acquired, IDA and Telling. Uh, here to talk to us about where he sees fintech headed from customer, let's welcome our new friend, Rory Holland. And from customer, I'm my dad, Shortwave. Rory Holland joins us. How are you, man? Doing great. How about yourself, Joe? Uh, well, I'm great now that you're here because you're on the end of the fintech industry. And I want to ask you a lot about fintech, but let's start here, if you don't mind. A lot of people, when they go into fintech, the reason they go in is because they have some frustrations with the existing way that big banks work. Is that your issue and why you got involved in fintech? Yeah, I mean, money is such a personal matter for people, right? And the way that they manage it, they share it, they pay for things, they invest it. So I've always been kind of fascinated with that and been in the space for almost 20 years now. So seeing fintech come into play and financial institutions trying to figure out how to make it work is really my passion, trying to bring all those things together. But yeah, but it must have been because there was an opportunity, which means, Rory, there's something that the big banks are doing that frustrates you. Oh, yeah. There's a lot the big banks do that frustrate me. You know, the, the biggest challenge that they have is that they're running on legacy technology. Their infrastructure is, is all outdated. Their compensation strategies, as it relates to the people in the field and their employees, is all off. So they're really working as if they've got an albatross around the neck. When you talk about compensation, do you mean that they're not necessarily compensated for being nice to the customer? <laughs> well, I, I think it's, you know, profitability is the goal of financial institutions. And that's really kind of coming from the top down. So when I look at FIs and the frustrations that I have as a consumer, but also being in the space, it's you know them looking beyond how they're doing business today. It's really how leaders are leading them down the road. And uh, you know, kind of going back to what I said about the albatross around the neck, the infrastructure that these FIs are operating on are from the 1980s. So back when, you know, Madonna and Wham was popular, <laughs> this technology was developed and they're still using it today. It's crazy. But you combine that with with the direction coming down from the top of these FIs looking to remain profitable and continuing to con compensate their people in the field in the brick and mortar infrastructure, as well as in their customer support all the way through their financial advisors, depending on who the institution is, is all still driven towards profitability. And they're not looking out beyond that to help really serve the customer. There's, it should be customer first. And that's where fintech is getting it right, is fintech is about the customer. And the FIs are following suit long behind still. And when you say the FIs, you mean financial institutions, the Sorry. big, the big yes. financial institutions. Yeah, well, you're a guy that does this all day. So I'm just trying to yep. bring us up to your speed. So, Rory, what gets you out of bed then in the morning? If you see these opportunities, clearly then there's this whole exciting thing. Tell me some things that we'll see coming down the road from companies that really get you excited. Yeah, yeah. I think the most interesting ones are the, are the companies that are horizontally changing the way people live their lives. And so I'll, I'll point to just a couple that one is it outside of financial services and fintech, and that's Uber. 
right? That's a great example. We used to go to parties or we go out to an event and we'd be thinking about, so how are we going to get home? Are we going to call a cab? Are we going to walk? Are we going to hitchhike or whatever? Uber comes <laughs> along and changes the whole way that we operate. So now Uber is at our fingertips. You also look at Amazon a decade ago. We used to think about where we're going to go buy products. Now we simply click on Amazon and it's at our door the next day. Now, moving into financial service, a couple of things that excite me. One is I've been around for a little while and I'm sure the audience is familiar with it. Credit Karma. Right. And they've been around since since the late 2000, uh, 2009, 2008, and they've now got over 75 million consumers and growing. Wow. What I love about what they're doing is they're the, the free location where people can go check out their credit score and really empower themselves to get their financial service products and rates under their own control. So I really like that. And the second one is personalcapital.com. These guys have been building their product for more than six years. They've got over 1.7 million users. They've got their free app where people are coming in when I heard, I just spoke with my friend, Jay Shaw, who's the, who's the CEO over there. And he was telling me that the average user comes in more than 15 to 20 times per month. So that's just a fantastic thing to hear where people are coming in and they, they might be checking out their net worth. They might be looking at their portfolio. They may or may not be investing through the application itself with personal capital, but they're using it in ways that is really, really interesting. Well, and if people are coming to you 15 or 20 times a month, Rory, they've totally integrated you into their financial life now. Absolutely. And so if you look at that as an opportunity, people are going outside of the financial institutions, trying to satisfy their need to better manage their money because the financial institutions they're working with aren't doing that. So you've got a personal capital has been around now for six years. They've been developing a product that basically... Wall Street never thought they could actually do. There's no way they can go compete with the big investment houses. There's no way they can go and compete with the financial institutions out there. Well, look, they're doing it. That's so exciting. And actually, uh, before I get to my next question, I'm wondering about, you know, you've got personal capital there. What about the robos? Because really personal capital, you've got automation, but then you have human beings between it, which is where a lot of financial advisors are talking about it might be the sweet spot now that we're watching the market get really volatile. But mm -hmm. on the far end now, you've got the betterments, the wealth fronts where they're trying to automate everything. What do you what do you see there? Yeah, I think it's going to depend on the the actual consumer. What are they most comfortable with? Um, you know, personal capital's philosophy is, you know, they're putting the customer first and they believe that it's not just software, that advisory services, a human element is important. Right. Where you know some consumers might be comfortable, some of us are more comfortable with working with a robo advisor and having it self model, self manage. I think it's really just a choice of consumers, and who knows where the market's going to go. You've got the betterments and the wealth fronts. You know, you've got the M1 finances of the world that are having success in acquiring customers. So that's telling us something. Yeah, and M1 actually is for us. I mean, they're our sponsor. They're a whole different. That's a whole different ball game that they're kind of opening up. But so, where's the future then, here, Rory? Do you see? Do you see big banks going, well, we didn't think we could do this, but people are doing this, so let's go buy them up and big banks stay in charge? Or are we going to see these disruptors become like the new Amazon where they take over the space and big banks get pushed to the side? Yeah, you know, I, I, I going back to, to the boardrooms uh, and thinking about what the financial institutions are doing, you know, they're driving profitability. And I think it's really the innovator's dilemma for them is the management team that's sitting in the boardrooms making the decisions for the direction of the institutions, are they going to have conviction and to really put the customer first? And if so, those are the ones that are going to succeed, that they're going to go out and they're going to seek out those fintech solutions that are best for their customers, and they're going to commit to it even if it's ahead of the curve. Otherwise, I think you're going to have them continue to focus heads down on the strategy that they currently 
operating on with that legacy infrastructure from the 1980s with the brick and mortar rolling it out, trying to roll out technology, simply spackling it on to their existing infrastructure, that won't get it there. So I think the, you know, the Robin Hoods of the world, the squares and the PayPal that I'll mention as far as the payment solutions, I'll even go as far as you know, TurboTax. They change the way that people operate and manage and take care of their taxes instead of going to a CPA or a tax advisor. I think that it's hard to see, it's hard to see yet really where it's all going to go. But I think it's going to be those institutions that are willing to have conviction and focus on the customer first. They're going to really see the success and growth in the future. I love that message, too, because that's obviously where it needs to go, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. if it's profit first, customer second, we see where that's gone. Uh, That's a whole different story. When you take a look at these firms, I think what I'm hearing you saying is, They're going to have to tear down this infrastructure at some point. It seems to me, I mean, Monday morning quarterback is easy, Rory, but it seems to me like sooner equals better, but maybe nobody wants to take the the quarterly hit to the balance sheet that it's going to do to rebuild everything from the bottom up. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. I was actually just uh, speaking with someone from uh, another company called The Financial Brand talking about mobile apps and the challenge that community and regional banks have in trying to compete with the big banks. Problem is you've got Fiserv, and I'm going to say a couple of names like FIS. These are names that are basically infrastructure players for the banking industry that are providing a one-stop shop, a single platform for all community banks and regional banks for mobile apps. It's a joke. So then the community banks and the regional banks can't innovate to provide better solutions for their customers because they're working off a single platform. They all look the same. It's a right. It's a one. It's a one-size-fits-all, and that's that's just not going to work. So fintech is allowing these other smaller and regional banks to come compete. Now, the question is, it goes back to that innovator's dilemma. Who's going to step up and going to take those risks to find the best fintech solutions for their customers and then go ahead and implement it, make that investment? And again, it takes conviction. They've got to commit to it. You know, Whether the FIs do it or not, I don't know. We could be 10 years from now, Joe, having this conversation again and talking about how great the 80s were with the technology that these banks are still using. I hope not. <laughs> but, you know, there's other solutions like questions like who's going to own the, the the PFM market? Who's going to own the investment market? Who's going to own the payments market? You know, it could be Venmo. It could be PayPal on the payments. You've got Zelle now, which is P2P payments now available that some of the institutions are using on the mobile banking app. We talked about personal capital. Maybe they're going to be not just investments. Maybe they'll be PFM. I think you know time will tell. We've had guests on in the past, Rory, that have talked about how much further along. Like we look at places like Kenya as as the backwoods. Yet when you look at mobile technology, mobile banking in Kenya versus in the United States, I mean, it, it seems far advanced and far easier than it is here. Is that just because of those legacy systems and the mm-hmm. cost to change is so high where the cost there was nothing because it's all brand new? Absolutely, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. And that's where you've got blockchain and you've got these other technologies that are now coming in that are trying to figure out ways to overlay on top of the old infrastructure because the infrastructure is, it's like turning the Titanic, Right. Right. So those people that are going to jump off the Titanic and and hold on tight are going to be in for a ride. But I think that's what's got to come next is someone's going to have to people are going to have to open their eyes to this more. Consumers are going to continue to have to push on this for what they want. That's going to drive the change. But ultimately, it comes down to distribution. And this is where we see so many fintech companies come and go is because they can't get distribution because the FIs aren't picking them up. The FIs don't know who they are. 
uh, they might not ever hear about them or they're, they're not willing to hitch a ride, if you will, and really have that conviction and commitment to bring in a new technology and to see it through. So that's where you're seeing some fail. Another thing I'll mention, Joe, that, that I think is kind of interesting is uh, you've heard some of these FIs that are creating their own incubators, right. their own little own little firms, right? Right. I'll throw out Capital One as an example, but there's several of them. And not to pick on Capital One, I, I applaud them for, for doing so. And I know some of the guys that are running that side of their side of their business. But the challenge is it's inside of that same infrastructure and it's inside of that same management methodology. So that's it's not working. So you've got now all these great fintech companies that are coming out. You know, companies like us, our firm is helping them get some of that distribution, helping them really refine their messaging, developing those digital strategies. So we can not only make consumers aware of them, but we can make the financial institutions aware of them so that we're building awareness, we're building interest, we're building engagement. And so hopefully, you know, between the work that we're doing and the work that the uh, some of these other fintech companies are doing out there that will continue to get traction for consumers. Yeah, you just alluded to it with your last answer, but I wanted to talk a little bit about this and hit it more straightforward, which is what you guys do, because the whole reason I want to talk to you is this is kind of right where you are. Tell everybody about customer and where you're at in the fintech play, because you're the you're the company, Rory that nobody's ever going to hear about, right? Right. The, We're the guys behind the scenes. Yes, yeah. yes. The puppet masters. No, I'm kidding. Totally. Um, <laughs> so, sometimes we feel like Jerry Maguire where we half in the picture, half out. Um, yeah, so customer, um, you know, the vowel CSTMR, it stands for customer. So we're a customer-first organization. And what we're all about is helping fintech and financial companies define their ideal customers and build, build effective digital marketing strategies so they can go out and engage them and grow their businesses. So unlike some of the financial institutions we talked about that tend to be a little bit driven more towards profit and working off their old infrastructure and more focused on that and what the possibilities are based on that, we're all about helping these fintech companies really achieve the distribution they need, while at the same time working with financial institutions. For example, you know, in our backyard, Joe, with uh, Clarkston State Bank, I'll mention them. They're, they're a small middle market bank located in middle Michigan nearby where, where, where I grew up. And I love working with those guys because we're not only helping them build a bigger bank to serve the local community, but we're also helping them identify those fintech solutions, integrate them, and then roll them out to their customer base. So we're not just about fintech companies or big FIs. We're really, really solidly um, in the middle of helping small community as well as regional banks succeed as well. That's cool, Rory, because it ends up being differentiation for that bank, right? Because they're not built mm-hmm. on the same exact platform. So they're giving somebody something different, something cool and unique. And at the same time, uh, you're going customer first, which obviously then brings them what they want, which is more profits. Absolutely. And, you know, there's, then there's I mentioned the personal capitals and the credit karmas of the world. I ran credit.com for a while back in the earlier 2000s. So definitely familiar with the consumer market, credit and finance and how that all plays into people's livelihoods. Um, and their cost for financial service products and services. So we, we play both on the consumer side with helping, helping some of these banks. Some of these are commercial banks, some are retail banks, and then also with some consumer-oriented websites like depositaccounts.com. Um, Deposit Accounts is a great objective site, a place where consumers can go to find out about the best rates for banking products. Um, we've been with them now for, gosh, eight or nine years now. They were recently acquired by LendingTree but still continue to complete and keep that objectivity. Yeah. I was, I was thinking that they're the sister company of our sponsor, Magnify Money. 
Like it's, oh, sure. It's, absolutely. It, yeah, right. they're all part of the same uh, ecosystem. That's great. We will link to uh, customer.com on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Rory Holland, thanks for giving us an inside look at what's going on in the fintech universe. Because obviously, it sounds like we're talking at the beginning of the party, right? Like there's a lot more party to come in this area. Absolute. My pleasure. Enjoyed it, Joe. Thanks for having me. Hey there, money fans. Wow, that Rory Holland sure saved the show, didn't he? During his segment, I realized all this fintech has a lot of mumbo jumbo. We should really be talking about the other fintech, helping sharks. So much technology could go into those fins. That's a pretty interesting idea, huh? Yeah, I got a lot of them. Hey, though, kids, let's switch gears for a moment and talk college, shall we? How's this for a zinger of some trivia? Based on information from Student Loan Hero, what is the rate of inflation for public four-year colleges in the USA? I'll be back with the answer after I start my $1,000 side hustle, building automated tiger shark fins. That's some great fintech, huh? Plus, it sounds awesome. Hey stackers, we get used to those same daily routines, don't we? Wake up at the same time every morning, brush our teeth, park the car in the same spot at work every day, recite jokes in the mirror to be funnier than that jerk of the water cooler, or is that what, just me? Here's one thing you shouldn't make routine, using the same credit card from the same bank just because that's what you've always done. Nick Clements from Magnify Money explains why. I mean, it's never been a better time, honestly, to find a credit card, especially given the lucrative sign-on bonuses that are out there. Chase just recently had 100000 on their reserve card. I, I think we're at a point right now where credit cards are extremely profitable for large banks, and they are really wanting to get more customers, and so they're, they're rolling out the red carpet. So I would just say, if, if you have had a credit card for more than two or three years, chances are there's a much better deal out there for you today. So why stick with that same old card with those rewards that haven't changed in years? You can use MagnifyMoney.com to always find best in class, including better interest rates. And don't only use Magnify Money for credit cards. Nick and the team have built the site from the ground up to help with personal loans, student loans, and mortgages. Average person saves $450 in interest when they hit stackcombenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. This episode of Stacky Benjamins brought to you by Blue Apron. A better way to cook. Blue Apron is the leading meal kit delivery service in the U.S. And while many people know what Blue Apron does, they don't know about the types of meals you eat. When you cook a Blue Apron, like strip steaks with potatoes and spicy maple collard greens, I shouldn't do these when I'm hungry, OG. Uh, steakhouse inspired favorite with the delicious twist chili infused maple syrup. With incredible ingredients and chef designed recipes, Blue Apron lets you see what the power of food can do. Blue Apron delivers fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step -step recipes right to your door that can be cooked in under 45 minutes. The menu changes every week based on what's in season and is designed by Blue Apron's in-house culinary team. Blue Apron offers 12 new recipes each week, and customers can pick two, three, or four recipes based on what best fits their schedule. Blue Apron, of course, sends only non-GMO ingredients and meat with no added hormones. Meals coming up for me... Listen to these ones, guys. Middle Eastern baked chicken and rice with chickpeas and yogurt. Steaks and cheesy mashed potatoes with steak sauce and roasted carrots. I can't wait for that one. Spicy pork and Korean rice cakes with bok choy. Different stuff every night. Lots of fun. Blue Apron is 
treating Stacky Benjamin's listeners to 30 bucks off your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash SB. So check out this week's menu and get your $30 off at blueapron.com slash SB. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey there, money nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, back with both forms to join my new shark-filled fintech club and the thrilling answer to today's trivia question, which was this. Based on information from Student Loan Hero, what's the rate of inflation for public four-year colleges in the USA? While four-year for-profit private schools raised tuition 1.8%, four-year nonprofit colleges raised rates on average 6.4%. But that pales in comparison to our target. Four-year public colleges whose tuition went up during the 2015-2016 school year by 7.2%. If your money isn't earning 7.2%, you lost money with your savings. Ouch! See ya! Oh, he's so geeked. He finally Mike won. Drop. <laughs> Why'd you think it was 5.7 OG? Because uh, that's the closest think, to seven. I didn't think. I knew. You knew it was seven, so you said 5.7. That makes sense. It's a Price is Right style, right? I mean, you got lowest to, I mean. You, you should have said one then. Uh, no, 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 no. Whitney, you were on the high end, 15. You thought prices are skyrocketing. Feels like they are. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you think about 7% still is a big, healthy number. That's ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever have student loan debt, Whitney? Yeah, I had 30000 Wow. And you paid it off? Yeah. In 10 months, man. Wow. How'd you do that? The the really boring way, living on a budget and working two jobs. Oh, shut up. That's, everybody says they do that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's what everybody says. That's I know. Right. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Len, you were at 10. You were the middleman. Yep. Well, I, that's what I get for trying to guess the rule of 72 and figuring out how fast college costs were doubling, and that I came up with 10. You I were, figured, in, you know, maybe every seven years, prices double. Of, of course, of course, the engineer has a reason for his answer. <laughs> Basically, OG said he shot in the dark. He was going low. Whitney says, I thought it was high. Len has an answer that included that. I got my slide rule, and I was <laughs> right. uh, calculating the inverse uh, ratio of... Uh, uh, he's still back on that game Pong. He was playing Pong. He wasn't even listening to the... Yeah, and engineers don't use slide rules anymore. There is the, Yes. <laughs> burn. I guess I'm the one burned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Looks like someone needs help, Len. All three of those Bloom. O's are sponsored by... Bloom. Smart, simple Bloom. 401k management. Do you have a 401k? Remember how frustrating it was deciding what to invest in without professional help? Now there's a better way to grow your 401. Bloom with three O's is a simple, smart, and affordable way to grow your 401. Go online to stackybenjamins.com forward slash bloom to find out more. With I didn't do that right. Bloom to find out more. With Bloom, you can simply connect your existing 401k in a few easy steps. Then sit back and relax while Bloom performs an unbiased analysis of the funds in your account and chooses the best mix to meet your goals while minimizing hidden investment fees. They use Len Penzo. Speaking of mathematics, they use modern portfolio theory to figure out what the best is. So they're not out there gambling with your money like it's Vegas. How about that? Wow, that's awesome. And they believe everybody deserves simple, affordable access to professional financial help. 
What's that all about? Contact me even in my bunker. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Do you accept uh, smoke signals? Yes. Sure. <laughs> yes. Have them. Have them on the. Uh, what's the uh, the the. Um... It's, more, it's Morse code. Morse, Morse code. code. Thank you. Yes. You got like the Morse code set up down there. The, te- the telegraph or whatever. Uh, uh, did we just really do that as radio? Do they got the? <laughs> but you guys got it. Nice job. Whitney's like, I have no idea where the hell this is going. What is this Morse code? <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. It's a little like Instagram. Uh, Bloom is so simple. In fact, the hardest part about this, remembering there's three O's in Bloom, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Bloom and enter promo code SB, Len Penzo, promo code SB. Yes, very simple. Maybe too simple. For your first month free and see the difference Bloom could make in your retirement. And today we're going to help out uh, Carolyn, who called the Bloom helpline. Say hello, Carolyn. Hi, Joe and OG. First of all, I want to let you know that the most valuable advice I've gotten from the show so far is to eat Oreos before going to the dentist to distract from not having floss my teeth. <laughs> that advice is spot on, and I'm going to try it next time. I'm wondering if you could also give me some financial advice. My 21-year-old son is graduating from college in the spring of 2018. I'm getting a little concerned about when I make taxes out next year. Am I going to be able to claim him as a dependent? when I make my 2018 taxes. If you could give me any advice on that, I'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks for all you do. And thanks to Joe's mom for letting you use her basement. It is so nice of her. Mom is a sweetie. And Carolyn, thanks for calling in. Whitney, we can't answer that question. You've got to answer that question. No, I mean, do you want to answer that question? Let's do it. Let's dive right in. What do you think? So it depends. All of my research is telling me if her son has been in school for five months, five calendar months of the year, and she's been supporting him mostly. So 50% or more of his support is coming from mom. Yeah, you can still claim him. So that's pretty cool. So maybe to be safe, force your kid to stay an extra month just to make sure you're at six months instead. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's looking pretty legit. Mom, why are you chaining me down? No, really chaining me down. Right. It's the tax credit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gee, anything, dad? Uh, no, you know, I wouldn't be terribly rigid about it. I'm not a CPA. So, you know, (laughs) of course I wouldn't, uh, be so rigid about it, but rules about 50% of the sport, right? So that it can even extend beyond, right? If you're, if you give him a thousand bucks to help him move to his job in May, is that kind of part still 50%? Yeah. (laughs) that's that's og moseying into the gray area i think yeah just peering into the abyss yeah talk to your tax professional about the rules and regulations associated with the uh, i think so i don't know why not we should have said that ahead of time by the way that would have been that would have been great if we'd said that ahead of time before i asked anybody uh len penzo you're not a cpa but you play one on tv that's for darn sure. That's uh, yeah. I, what can I say? I mean, I, I think uh, Whitney nailed it there. Sounds good. Len Penzo still claims his kid. And they've been gone for like eight years. Well, now let's let's put it this way. If your if your kid, I'll ask this question. Maybe Whitney can answer this. So, if your child graduates from college, has spent the five five months, you get the tax deduction for that year. How about the next year? Your child doesn't get a job and is back at home living with you. Does that count as a and is, is home the whole time and you're supporting the child. Is that another year of deduction? Once again, before Whitney answers that, we're not CPAs. But Whitney, what do you think? Definitely not a CPA. So if, you're, if your kid's still in school, 
full-time, then it's a no-brainer. But if not, they can still be a dependent as long as they're younger than you and your spouse. Oh, geez, a dependent. <laughs> I was going to say, I try to, I'm trying to get like, I ask people on the street if they want to be my dependents. Right, right. <laughs> you want like, to move hey, in? Uh, tax time's on. coming up. Is there something I can do for you? Right. <laughs> What's your social? I don't know if you know this, Whitney, but OG's neighbor's dog is a dependent on his tax return. No. I just swing that one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, IRS, that was a joke. That was, was a joke. say thank you for <laughs> yeah, that's right. the uh, Internal Revenue Service my way. Little... They'll never figure out who I am. No, not at all. <laughs> yes. Hidden behind the veil. Thanks, Carolyn, for the note. If you've got a note and would like to, to send out the Bloom hotline to you, you know what you do? Head to stackybenjamins.com. And uh, right on the top of the website, you'll see all the different ways to get a hold of us. That's going to do it for today, guys. So let's talk about what's happening where you live. Uh, let's start with Mr. Penzo. Len, what's happening at that crazily titled LenPenzo.com? Uh, you know, Joe, I, I don't know. I can't remember what's going on. But just uh, tell you know your listeners, anytime they want to come by, Saturdays are always open at LenPenzo.com. If you want to get into my real tinfoil hat stuff, uh, my black coffee features every Saturday. And uh, we've got a good little community going over there with comments and also stop on by. Those are so fun. Those are so incredibly fun. The black coffee segments, you know, is Thank you, Joe. talk about a cup of Joe and I'm like, what are you referring to me? Uh, a, cu- a cup of cuckoo Joe. Yeah. That's more like it. Mr. OG. What's happening with you, man? Oh, no, I don't do anything important. <laughs> Hardly ever. Yeah. As a matter of fact, <laughs> isn't it almost March? Oh, you're ready for so, March madness. Sure. Yeah. Ready for March madness. Yep. Fantastic. Just, uh, I'm ready for the weather to turn. That's what I'm ready for. Whitney, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. It was so much fun. I hope that everybody learned a lot. I know I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She learned never to Maybe come back. Too much, right? <laughs> <laughs> never come back to the Stacky Benjamin that Show. Was too much now. Guys. That's what she learned. Tell us what's happening at the Money Nerds Podcast. What's coming up? So one of my my favorite things was I got the chance to talk to Jen Hempel, who I know was on your show as well. So Jen came on and talked a little bit more about money stories. So that was pretty exciting. So that's uh, live on the podcast right now. And then I'm just talking about my upcoming trip on my blog and how I'm doing it on a really super tight budget. So that's uh, coming out there soon. Where are you heading? To Italy. Oh, and you're hitchhiking, it sounds like. Is that the deal? I'm hitchhiking. That was exactly. <laughs> that was exactly. I figured out I can fit in somebody's suitcase finally, so I'm doing pretty good there. You ever hitchhike across the Atlantic? That's really tough, Len. Uh, no, I never have. <laughs> that's why, I don't have a joke. That's why. <laughs> Whitney, for her trip to save money, is taking swimming lessons. So that she doesn't have to. So that she doesn't swim fast for your two weeks is going to be up before you get to the other shore. It's true. And it's only a week. So I've got to really haul. (laughs) You really do. All right, guys. And we'll have uh, links to everybody's stuff on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned? So what did we learn today? First, the best thing to do with a thousand dollars There's lots of ways to solve that problem, but being mindful with the $1,000 is rule number one. Second, take some advice from Rory Holland. Getting pushed around by your big bank? What are you waiting for? Lots of fintech companies are waiting to help you get better with your money, and they're just a smartphone away. But the big lesson? 
Don't tell Joe and OG about your new fintech idea to work with sharks. God, those two just do not get the future. Hey, listen, Donnie Edison wasn't appreciated in his time either, OG. Oh, stop your laughing. I'm going to be the next Harold Ford. Special thanks to Rory Holland for joining us. You'll find him at customer.com. That's C-S-T-M-R.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just jumped the shark. SB Podcast may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show, the part of the show that doesn't exist. By the way, I love that Carolyn uh, likes your advice, your dental advice, Len, about smearing <laughs> Oreos all over your teeth. I love it. Yeah. I thought that was great. Yes. B- big smoke screen for the dentist. You weren't here for that one, Whitney. But when you go to the dentist, just have a smoke screen. <laughs> They'll never notice you didn't floss. Works every time. Works if there's just time. Oreos all over the place, they won't get to it. I got a cool thing. Last week was Valentine's Day. So I had this uh, Valentine's Day quiz that I thought was fun, and I thought we'll see which of the three of you knows uh, the most about these Valentine's Day things. We're going to go two questions each. First round is worth one point. Second round is worth two. Got it? Bring it. All right, here we go. Whitney, you're going first. In a classic 80s hit, Bon Jovi called love what? A bad name. (laughs) That's incorrect. Len, classic 80s hit, Bon Jovi, called Love What? Uh, called lo- I was going to say a bad name, too. You call love a bad name. I'm sorry. That's, I don't know. That's you give name. love a bad name. That's a different song. You give love a bad name is a different song. OG, for the point. I really wasn't listening to Bon Jovi in the 80s. I got to be honest. The answer is Bad Medicine. Oh! oh. Right. Yes. Bad medicine is what I need. Next question. Len, Len has the ball. Here we go. The holiday of love, Valentine's Day, is named for what? St. Valentine's Day is named for what? 
It's named for St. Valentine's. It's You're saying it's named for a saint? Yes, for a saint. That is correct. Not ding, much. ding, ding. Nice job. One, <laughs> one point for Mr. Penzo. Yeah. Whitney's like, why the hell didn't I get that one? I know. You give him all the easy ones. I know. I know. She's like, 1980s. Uh, if Paula was here, we should have given her that one. That would have been even yeah. better. All right. OG's got the ball. Which British heartthrob? This is totally in OG's wheelhouse. British heartthrobs. Which British heartthrob is not among the sprawling cast of Love Actually? And you've got three choices. Love Actually. You get, you get three choices. Which, one of three. Okay. Which British heartthrob is not one of the is in the cast in Love Actually? Okay. So in the movie, one of these three, two of them are in it. That's correct. Which one is not? Hugh Grant, Colin Firth, or Jude Law? Hugh Grant's in it. So, Colin Firth. Is he the guy from um, uh, King's Speech? Yes. I'm going to go Jude Law is not in love, actually. Whitney, do you know which one it was? I was going to say Jude Law as well. Yeah, it's Jude Law. Yeah. Score. I should maybe get half a point, though. Line one, OG one, Whitney gets the sympathy, half point. <laughs> Thank you. There we go. Second round. We're going to go in reverse order. And here we go for two points. Actually, you know what? We won't because, Whitney, you're behind. So we got to see if these guys have to do better okay. than, than you do. So, Whitney, you're going to go with this one. What's the missing word in the title of this best-selling memoir? Blank, pray, love. Eat. Eat. <laughs> Nice job. Yes. Whitney with two points. And a half. And a half. Whitney with two and a half. Bye, boys. OG trying to take the lead here, seeing if he can be in first. Which love once worked as President Obama's so-called body man? I'm going to give you three names. You pick which one it is. Reggie Love. You have to tell me what a body man is. I don't know. They call his, his so-called body man. Must have been his like right-hand bodyguard. I wouldn't tell you who the Secret Service is. I don't know. Which love once worked as President Obama's so-called body man? Reggie Love, Courtney Love, or Kevin Love? Only because you gave me those three options can I probably pick Reggie Love. It is Reggie Love. And I was going to say Kevin Love just to be funny. And then, and then uh, here's what it is, actually. Among Love's many duties, he's personal aide. So he's the person that stands next to him and says, it's so-and-so, so-and-so, whatever. He had to carry a bag filled with anything the president might need on the go, like hand sanitizer, energy bars, nicotine gum. All right. I need a person like that. For the tie to send it to another round, Mr. Penzo. We'll always have Paris is a classic line from which cinematic tearjerker? <laughs> He's shaking the eight ball. The answer, I'm, I don't know the answer, so I'm going to ask the eight ball. And the answer, the eight ball says the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's my final answer. All right, Whitney, you had the hardest, you had, <laughs> you had the hardest ones of all, and you didn't get a multiple choice. We'll always have Paris as a classic line from which set a cinematic tearjerker, Whitney, for the win. I, I can't. I don't know. You want me to shake the eight ball again? Maybe I'll have another answer. Can, can you ask it for me? OG knows what it is, I think. I, I think OG actually does know what this is. We'll always have Paris. Casablanca. Casablanca. 
unbelievable. Is that right? It is right. It's Casablanca. <laughs> That's the only name of the old movie that I could think of. How did this eight ball not get that answer? You, you got to throw that damn eight ball away, dude. <laughs> hey, I got to go. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Later. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.